0: It's really the question that a lot of people want to ask, and it happens usually every October. God knows that here on the local show, flagship of the University of Tennessee, and calls all throughout Wednesday. So how about we go to a man who might be able to provide an answer? You're inside the checkerboard chatter. It is the third Saturday of October. We don't have to tell you it's Bama Week. You already know because you clicked on the link, and you already know because you listen each and every day. Tyler Ivins, the guy that's to the right, Mick Gillespie, that guy, he is umbrelling so many different, umbrella in, I will verb that, to so many sports. If he's not on your radio, he's on your television. And if he's not in Tennessee, he's in Alabama. This is a guy who's got his feet in many spaces. <laughs> so, Mick, I ask you, as Mick does so much for what he does for the, the Bama Daily tailgate, is if you were a Tennessee fan, and I know Alabama has Auburn, all right? That's never going to be questioned. Alabama has Auburn. But put yourself in the shoes of Tennessee fans, wear a Tennessee hat. Should Tennessee fans still view Alabama as their number one rival?
1: I, I was in college, and um, Philip Fulmer was the only major head football coach. Me might have been the only head football coach that came on my pregame show at the college radio station before in, in any of the football games. And he came on before Alabama and Tennessee, and it was – back when Tennessee was kicking the crap out of Alabama every year. And I asked him a very similar question. I said, is this still a rivalry game? Right. And uh, coach Fulmer coached me up. Um, he yelled at me pretty good and uh, set me straight. And um, and I've, I've never forgotten that two things. He, I, 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 Bud Ford told me to keep it under, I think three or five minutes or something. I went over that. I got coached up for that. And then, uh, and then for asking that question. So, um, when I've seen Coach Fulmer, I, I broadcasted a softball game with his daughter. I always laugh about it because you know, as a college student, getting yelled at, getting coached up by Coach Fulmer was pretty cool. It's this is always going to be a rivalry game. It's been streaky, but Alabama fans found out last year what this game means, and I've noticed that a lot of uh, a lot more Bama fans are paying attention than they were before. But you know, I, sure. I guess I'm at the age where. I mean, let's be honest in 15 straight years, you know, you're talking about kids that went through their entire school career and, and didn't see Tennessee win. I went through my college years and didn't see Alabama win and heard Rocky top all those times and, and Peyton Manning and T Martin and, you know, and, and on and on and on. So um, this was a big rival, and I actually hated Tennessee until I became the Smokies broadcaster. And now like Tennessee's my other team. So when they're not playing Alabama, I watch them. And when they're playing Alabama, I watch them. So I'm, I'm really familiar with both programs and um, I, I hope they don't get rid of this game. Yeah. I hope this isn't one of the ones that they cycle off and, 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 right.
0: play. You do so much for pre- and post-game for the University of Alabama. Your ties in with the Crimson Tide Sports Network, the things that you guys do. It's remarkable. I, I'm jealous of the guy to the right of the screen. He's a. To me, I always view him as a baseball broadcaster first, so I'll use the baseball analogy. If you read the back of his baseball card, the guy just does so much. Um, I made this comment to you one time during a broadcast, and I'll share it with you now, and it kind of goes with the first question I asked you. Do you believe a rivalry has to have hatred tied into it? Because if that's the case, Philadelphia Phillies, Florida Gators are like here in this. I look at the Alabama Crimson Tide as kind of like a respect factor. Mm -hmm. After the game's over, we're going to pour each other bourbon or scotch. We'll clean glasses and somebody will get the elbow in the ribs like, but what a game. Ha ha. Florida, it's a. I've had urine thrown on me. I've had a nine iron in my buddy's SUV window outside of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Right. Do you believe hatred has to be tied into a rivalry? Because if that's the case, I don't know if I really hate Alabama. I respect them. Florida, I might push them in the water if there was an iceberg ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know. For me, I, I feel very similar. But when we were losing to, to Tennessee every year, you know, I, I didn't like them that much. Right um, now, I feel like. Um, I really know Tennessee, and and all the great people at the university, and including Randy Boyd. I wish Alabama had a Randy Boyd because in the long term, you're going to win. You, you're going to win. I mean, w- Alabama's got morons at the top, and and that the only reason that things are going as swellingly as they are is because Nick Saban wins all these football games, and you make all this money. Yes, uh, but it starts with with uh, you know with the people up top there, and. It's been impressive watching Tennessee get things turned around again back to respectability, but i I don't know to me it's to me it's not that it, it's like you said, you know, like I I'm uh I guess just because I'm so tied in i I just I, I like a close game, you know, I want both teams to kind of walk out and feel like, man, that was a great game. Um, and I hope that the honestly, man, the thing that you're supposed to be like at Alabama is you're supposed to treat even Auburn, your opponents with respect, you know, and, and I know that not all the fans do that, but that's kind of what our way is supposed to be like, you know, when you, you try to teach people what I graduated from Alabama, what it is to be uh, an Alabama grad is, you know, to show respect to the opposition. And then, you know, sometimes fans don't do that, but, uh, but I wish they did, you know, so hopefully um, people come to town and, and on Saturday and, you know, and, and have a good time and, and feel that way, you know, but to me, it's, this isn't the same rivalry as, as Auburn uh, because, you know, these, these two schools go back further than that. I mean, this is the 106 right. meeting and Tennessee has a much better football tradition than Auburn. And um, I love the colors and I love the time of year. And um, I, This is my favorite game, so I'm excited about it. I don't know how – every I can't speak for everyone, but I can tell you for me, I feel the same way you do.
0: So I look at Alabama, and I see them number nine in total points on average per game, and that to me is just so weird because that should be Bama, LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. some type of just alternating top spot. They rank ninth right now. Now that's in all the games they've played. But I, of course, hyper-focus on a lot of the Power 5 games. MTSU can kind of sway some things. You get a 40 spot against Mississippi State. But, Mick, for the most part, this is Alabama offense under first-year coordinator Tommy Reese. It's averaging 24-7-ish type points per game. What's going on with the inconsistencies, if you'll call them that, and kind of what makes things so peculiar from a watchful eye occasionally outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama?
1: Well, there's a few things going on. Alabama has a tough time uh protecting the quarterback. And and it's it's kind of like a three-pronged problem, right? Right. The offensive line has inexperience in certain spots. Caden Proctor is a freshman. He's supposedly like a superstar, five star guy, but he he gets beat a lot. They run around him. Um and the offensive line has, you know, given up some sacks. The snaps haven't been consistent with Seth McLaughlin. He's gotten he's gotten better, but you just never know from snap to snap if he's going to be able to get the ball to Milrow. Milrow right. gets back in the pocket and he he has the I called it the dazed and confused look against Texas because Matthew McConaughey was on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't always <laughs> look like he knows what's going on, and if a blitz comes, he's late to pick it up. Right. And then uh, the running backs, I don't think, have been perfect when it comes to blocking. Chase McClellan, um, I, I'm waiting for him to break his first tackle. And so those are all the the problems. Now here's the other side of it: just when you're ready to uh, pack up and say Alabama has a s- terrible offense, they'll throw a sixty yard bomb on you. You know, the, all of a sudden he'll just drop back and look like Hendon Hooker in the pocket and and you'll see guys running down the field and he'll drop the ball right into him. Uh, Jermaine Burton, the transfer from Georgia, had 197 yards against Texas A&M and that was out really up until now Alabama's biggest game of the season. He came out of nowhere and and they couldn't stop him, right? Two touchdowns. Um, you know, you got other guys that can contribute. Amari um, Niablack, their big pass catching tight end, got a touchdown last week and then and caught really the game winner when Alabama was trying to keep the ball away from Arkansas for a first down. So he's they've, they've got targets. This is – it's crazy to say, but Alabama's got better receivers than Tennessee right now because of yeah. injuries, right, to Tennessee. But the guys haven't dropped passes. And I feel like if if Alabama would have had this receiving core catching like they're catching this year, that uh, they they would have been in the college football playoff last year because Bryce Young had so many drops and we really haven't seen that yet. So that's the other side of it. You can say all you want to say about Milrow and his shortcomings – His ability to throw the deep ball has really
0: been phenomenal. So tell me about Jalen Milrow, because I know about three weeks ago, it was four weeks ago, you were still popping quarters into a carousel. And would it come up Ty Simpson? Would it come up Tyler Buckner? Jalen Milrow, I know Saban comes out shortly after. I believe it was a USF game. Maybe I'm off by the week or so, the Texas Mm -hmm. game. And he just simply says, Jalen's our quarterback. So we're going to, we can move on from this conversation. What is it about Jalen Milrow that has helped him solidify? And mm-hmm. you're right, because Mick, when I see this guy, this guy looks like he can scramble throw. He looks like he's already ready made on Christmas day, like an action figure to play with. But it seems like at times it's like, there's the laps. There's the laps. What is it about Jalen Milrow?
1: Well, a couple things. I- I'm not sure that Milrow is a dual threat quarterback right now, because I, I think he's got a hamstring issue. No right. one's confirmed that, but he he ran all over uh, Mississippi State, but it looked like he kind of pulled up lame. And then we had this the game going into the Texas A and M, the week going in, Vegas all of a sudden dropped the line from four and a half to one, and rumors were that he wasn't going to play. And and from what I understand, they thought well maybe it, it was a hamstring that was going to keep him out of playing. I've heard other people tell me it could be a shoulder. I I don't know. My my thought is it's some kind of lower leg injury, but he has not run the last two, two games, not against Arkansas, not against Texas A&M, not like he can run. And when he's running, he's the fastest guy on the field. When he's doing his thing, I don't see a burst right now. Um, So that, I guess that kind of makes him, um, you know, even more impressive that you're taking away one of his, his probably his main superpower and he's still been able to win games. But the beginning of the season, we weren't really sure what we were looking at quarterback wise. Uh, Alabama didn't go into the transfer portal. We saw a little bit of Milrow last year and um, I don't think anyone was settled on him. Uh, uh, Tyler Buckner transferred from Notre Dame, which yeah. kind of surprised all of us because we figured it would be Ty Simpson that would take over the quarterback spot. Well, from what I understand, Ty Simpson, the game moves too fast for him right now and he hasn't been able, he just wasn't that good when he came in and he hasn't been good in practice and he wasn't good in the eight a game. Uh Milroe, has been, like we said, you know, it's inconsistent. He, he The short-term passing isn't great. He looks like dazed and confused from time, and then he'll hit you with a bomb, uh, and he can run. And he's got the most experience. And then Buckner was terrible. I mean, to the point where I don't know that he'll ever get out on the field again for Alabama. I would be sh- totally shocked if the guy ever plays another game for Alabama. Wow. Um, there's, a, there's another guy named Dylan Laudergan, who's like a true freshman that honestly has outplayed all of them. Except he's a true freshman, so we saw him in the 8A game, and then and then you know in practice he's a guy to keep an eye on in the future. And then uh, they have another guy, Jay, uh, Julian Sain, who is um, a, you know a recruit, but he's coming in, and those guys will be pushing for that job. So right now it's Milrow. We saw all the quarterbacks. Milrow against Texas couldn't get the job done, and then they they played the other two guys against South Florida. They looked terrible, and then Milro came back, and that's when Saban was like, "Hey, it's your job." And I, I don't think there was any, any debate at that point. You know, we were talking on, uh, you know, Bama Tailgate Daily and on the YouTube channel, like, "Hey, man, he, it's, it's, it's done. The other two guys just can't play, and they're not going to put Laudergan in, so it's got to be Milro.
0: So you already brought up Tommy Reese and some of the things he's having to deal with, with this rotating at times, the rotating quarterback position, which has now been solidified. What's been the third go around for Kevin Steele been like he's now returned as a defensive coordinator with, after a brief stint in Knoxville, where are you with Kevin Steele and how that defense has fared this year?
1: Yeah. We couldn't get Pete Golding out of town fast enough. Right. And now I uh, heard that more than
0: once. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then they came him and Lane Kiffin came and they they thought they were gonna beat Alabama. They had that great first half and then they got a good old-fashioned country ass whooping. And I think everybody in Tuscaloosa loved that because they want to beat Lane Kiffin. He he was trolling Alabama all week, you know, just typical Lane Kiffin. You guys know what a clown he can be sometimes. It's for him, it's like he's he's genius and idiot in the same in the same (laughs) breath, right?
0: And that so, is so accurate. Yes. Yeah.
1: So respect him, but just respect him as a you know play caller. I mean, he he's like uh you know tweeting out Taylor Swift's song about uh Castle's crumbling and directing that at Alabama that week. And then um and the Tide played a hell of a second half. So that, that was a really nice win. Uh getting back to Kevin Steele, uh, everybody loves him. I mean, this is an Alabama defense. So you're gonna find out on Saturday that it's gonna be tough sledding. You know, I know Tennessee relies on the run game. We're going to stop the run. You're going to have to pass the ball. Well, We got a great secondary. This is where – this is what makes this team dangerous. I mean, this is an old-school Alabama football team. Malachi Moore's coming back. And he's your defensive back that plays in the star and the money position. Alabama's got the best secondary that they had uh, since Nick Saban's been there, in my opinion. Kool-Aid McKinstry and yeah. Caleb Downs and all these guys uh, – uh, in the secondary, along with more at the line of scrimmage, Dallas Turner's been getting after the quarterback. You know, he was leading the SEC in sacks, he's all, always back there with pressures. Um, now, I'm not saying Tennessee won't run the ball some, but Alabama, I, they'll be ready to stop the run. I think that Kevin Steele's defense, it, it's what oh, it's really what we needed. We, we, we got so far away from Alabama football on defense, and you could feel uh, Pete Golding kind of managing the decline. Right. This is the first year in a while where you can tell like this is back to being Alabama football again. They're getting turnovers. Um, neither team turned it over in the Arkansas game. But um, but but Alabama is constantly pressuring KJ Jefferson just played a hell of a game, you know, and, and you, you got to tip your cap to him. I mean, it was really, really something to watch him quarterback that team. But but at the end of the day, when Alabama needs and they've come down to the end, in a lot of these games, they make the big play. You know, Dallas Turner's had sacks in back to back games where it looked like the other team had a chance. And then all of a sudden he just busts through the line and and, and gets the sacks. So um, Chris Braswell's another guy to keep an eye on. Jaheim Otis up front. I mean, th- this is a good defense. And we think that Kevin Steele's doing a great job.
0: How have Tennessee fans and Alabama fans, because you've had the luxury of being around both sides, how have they kind of. How have they kind of taken this year's game and tried to build off of last year's game? Here's what I mean by that question. Tennessee fans, they're just glad that the streak's over the goalpost is in the Tennessee river, cigar smoke, (laughs) Dixie land delight. It was the scene of college football last year. It really Mm -hmm. was. It was ranked the number one game by many publications. It's been replayed ad nauseum for Bama fans on sec network, but how are Bama fans taking this? They see, the Tennessee power T binder on the back of Nick Saban's desk when he's on Pat McAfee and everybody in Alabama is like, this is our receipt game. Just like South Carolina was a receipt game for Tennessee for both the Vols and Tide fans that you've been around. How are they viewing the 2023 edition after what we saw in 2022?
1: I remember doing the uh, tailgate show in years past and, and trying to convince even guys that played for Alabama, you know, Mike Johnson played for Alabama in 09 and he grew up in Pensacola. He was a Florida state fan until he went to Bama that this was a rivalry. I mean, you know, they, they truck Tennessee in 2007 and that was Nick Saban's worst team. That was the game that started with an onside kick. That's right. uh, Yeah. And and, and I had the best seats I've ever had for one of these that somebody gave them to me. It was a a Jefferson pilot, 11 a.m. Game in Tuscaloosa and so he just handed me these tickets. I'm like bourbon and Coke right at the 50. It was just fantastic. Like I could just run down into the turnstile and get my drink. And, and it was an onside kick and, (laughs) and then, you know, so that one, and then 2009, you know, Rocky block uh, that was with Lane Kiffin. And honestly, if, if Kiffin would have been more aggressive, I think Tennessee would have won that football game. It was like oh, a, without
0: question.
1: Yeah, like that. I was sitting behind the Tennessee band for that one. Um and then I do a podcast with Jake Coker who was the quarterback in 2015 and Josh Dobbs had Tennessee ahead. Uh, with like a minute and something left, and he led the drive down to win the game. He told me that. So,
0: funny story about that. I was working for ESPN in the Midwest. Uh-huh. That day I was off, and I was going to a hockey game in St. Louis, and I'm speeding through the state of Missouri to get to a St. Louis Blues-New York Islanders game. I'm going through a small town. I'm 31 over the speed limit, and a local cop just pegs me. I'm pulled. When I pull over, I'm listening to the game on satellite radio, and Tennessee has the lead in Tuscaloosa. And I turn my radio down. I exchange information. By the time I sign my citation of, hey, you're lucky you're not going to jail and you know where, Missouri. I turn the radio back up, put my blinker on, and keep driving to St. Louis. And as soon as I turn the radio on, I just hear Eli go, Derrick Henry touched that. And I was like, it only took 19 minutes for me being pulled over. for, And they just rode Derrick Henry's rear end all the way into That's the right. end zone. And I was like, well, maybe if I does, you know, I don't can't tell. Maybe that's a blessing that I got pulled over going 31 in a small town in Missouri. So I didn't have to hear Derek Henry just milk the clock with his. Freaking mountain man legs is dragging everybody through the lot of scrimmage. Now, now. To your point, yeah.
1: Now, now everybody in Tennessee loves him because he's on. The yeah, Titans. exactly. Yeah, I went that game. I I went with one of my my best friends from from back home. First time we ever got to go to a game together, and I was in the concession line for the entire third quarter. Derrick Henry was running over Tennessee. Al- Alabama wasn't really scoring, but he was just like, run, you know, you remember how it was when sure. Derrick Henry was there. And what Jake told me, and I didn't know this, was that he had a, I think, a shoulder issue at the time. So they weren't going to be throwing the football a whole lot, you know. I, gu- I guess that's what he was saying, you know. Like, uh, and he told me that was like for him one of the biggest, you know, wins that he had. And he's, you know, he was like, "Man, I went hunting the next day, and I'm just like glad we won." And he's got the cigar box. Um, besides that, though, that none of these games have been really close, and and it's it's been hard to explain to people. What this rivalry means until now, you know, and then and then losing last year, um, you know, and then and then hearing all the talk afterwards and and everything else, I uh, it's it's back to being a rivalry game again. And, w- and what's weird, what's kind of sad, I guess, just having covered Alabama through this entire thing is I feel like Alabama's kind of going this way. I, I think Tennessee's going this way now, they're not as good as they were last year, but right. they're, they're still not, you know and and even if Alabama wins this game, you know, every single week's going to be a struggle. Um, you know, the attention to detail is something that Nick Saban used to master and I don't see it like that anymore. I think NIL's pay, playing a part of it. Hey, look you know what? I I I I got to be paid to be here. Doesn't feel like amateur athletics anymore. And then the transfer portal, oh, you know, oh, you know, I got yelled at by Saban, I'm going home, you know, like the 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 sad part about where we are as a sport, you know, it's like well, you know, it does make it more balanced, but um, you know, just it the 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 quality of play to me isn't the same, and especially at Alabama, you know. So I, I I'm kind of curious. Look, they had um nine penalties, n- nine pre-snap penalties at Texas A&M. They still won the football game, but nine nine pre-snap penalties. You know, they had a penalty last week where they w- they were absolutely destroying Arkansas. And on like a third and eight, the guy runs out of bounds and we face mask him out of bounds, like just yeah. pushing and shoving. You know, uh, I think this team's had at least eight touchdowns called back because of penalties, you know, and, and it's and, and I. When Alabama was doing their thing, these were these were issues that Alabama really didn't have after the 2000, you know, eight season, maybe even 2007, where they just they were so focused and and so disciplined. So that's kind of where we are, but I, I, at the same time, you know, it, it is exciting because I see Tennessee with a lot of the same issues, right? To me, I, I look at uh, Joe Milton, who's got the great arm, but he hasn't really been able to find the same touch that sure. Hendon Hooker has. But I mean, look, he doesn't have the same receivers. He's got a better running game. Tennessee's defense is better, but Alabama's got a good defense. So they're really similar. I mean, look, this could be a 14, 13 game or something. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Are you buying what Vegas is trying to sell us right now? I always get tagged a lot by listeners because they like my picks and they're like, well, what do you like this lean? How do you like this lean? Nick, I didn't think I'd ever see a total that was sitting under 49 points. And it's crazy how I started things. Like, hey, look at where some of the malpractices have been by the offense, both in Tuscaloosa and Knoxville 48 and a half points. Maybe I'm dreaming, but I'm over here making jokes right now. We could see a 27-21 final score, and then everybody missed the over.
1: Yeah, like think, and that's crazy, too, because both teams scored more than that last year. Right. So um, I, I look at that, and I'll tell you why I think that the line is, you know, nine or eight and a half or whatever. Yeah, please. Um, if it was at Neyland, it would be different, you know, because Alabama's got the trouble with the pre-snap penalties. It's so loud at, at Neyland Stadium. And it's a tough place to play. This team hasn't been great on the road uh, for the most part over the last few seasons. Not like it used to be. And um, and I feel like with where where Tennessee's deficiencies are, you know, where where like no none of the receivers really scare you. Um, I love they the sh- guy. I, I love sh- the guy's wall. name is Squirrel. And uh, what was the other guy's Nimrod? I mean, those are two. Chad yeah, Nimrod. Yeah. <laughs> two crazy names there. But but it's it's not like uh, Hyatt's coming back out and and yeah. going to score five touchdowns uh, on you like and last that's the year. Point
0: right there, I think you saying that that this needs to be slid in. If there's anything about last year to this year, because goodness gracious, and mm-hmm. Mick, you will and Mick, you you listen to the show uh, every day, or you'll yeah. occasionally you'll you'll chirp in. You hear the fans who go well, you know, in twenty two when we and then it's the comparisons of twenty three and and sometimes it's so hard to get them to divorce themselves from an eleven and two Orange Bowl victory and then kind of look at this year the massive, massive, massive difference. If you yeah, a different talk to offense, right? Yeah, they don't have two NFL wide receivers on this offense, right,
1: right. And see when I, and I'm going back to the line now. The reason why to me the line is where it is is that uh, Tennessee can win this game, right? They can sure. Because I just told you all the problems that Alabama have. But you know all the problems that Tennessee has. They, they don't right. win the game without a, a punt return for a touchdown last week. 1000 know? So, I mean, like, they, they have their issues too. So, for them, they have to walk a fine line to go into Tuscaloosa and win, right? They, right. They, they have to play one of their best games, and Alabama has to play one of their worst games. You go back to Florida, which I, I just couldn't believe that Tennessee played that poorly – Against oh. the Gators, I just couldn't yeah. believe it. Like I and I bet Tennessee that game. I was sure they were going to go in there and kick their ass, and they didn't. So I'm, I'm I know what Vegas is saying. The the chances are that Alabama will take the game that they had against Arkansas. Everybody's been kind of down in the dumps about the way that that game ended. There's right. there really hasn't been a whole lot of excitement about this week because people have such a bad taste in their mouth with the way that Alabama finished against Arkansas, those are when Nick Saban is at his best because now he's got everyone's attention. Oh, you guys thought you were so good and look at the way that you backed into that win. And he's been talking all week about there's a difference between winning the game and defeating your opponent. And he didn't feel like they defeated Arkansas. And he said that after the game, you know, so he's got everyone's attention um, not that rat poison's even an issue for this team because they're not good enough for rat poison. Rat poison. Yeah. When he talks about that, are teams like like Tennessee needed the rat poison last year before they went down and played um, uh, South Carolina? When everyone's right. telling you that you're better and you're gonna win and you're gonna 17 point spread and da 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 da. That's yeah. the rat poison. You know this is the opposite of that. This is like hey, you either do it right or you're gonna lose and and when, and then he's got people focused on 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 getting better. So that's why I think that the line is the chances are Alabama hits a couple big plays, gets the lead, and then, you know, Milton turns the ball over and then when that happens, it it turns into a bowling ball the other way. So for Tennessee to win, to me, I I'm thinking you you do um you run the ball, you take you you take uh, you know, um calculated risks on your on your throws, but you don't put Milton in a spot to to Turn the football over, um, you know, maybe design some quarterback runs and rely on the defense. And, and and you know, if you get Alabama in a spot where, you know, they have to pass, they're in big
0: trouble. Closing. I know usually this is the part when everybody does their sit down with their buddies or they do their kind of roundtable chat. Who's going to win? How are they going to win? I don't want to do that because I think right now when it comes to this gentlemanly, gentlemanly rivalry, this is the best way for it to end. When it comes to Nick Saban, and I know so many people always like to have the conversation, Mick, oh, is this the year? Is he getting close? The extension? What happens if? It just seems that this year, Mick, that the talk of is Saban either one stepping away or two, is he slipping a little bit? It seems like that, that those aren't whispers. It's more of like library kind of talk, not as loud, but it's noticeable. Where do you think Alabama is heading right now? And where do you think Nick Saban's heading right now? And I only asked this question for this reason, because Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the sec. I don't know if either of those programs will get comfortable and then Nick Saban pulls the plug or says, "You know what, Miss Terry and I are ready just to relax a little mm-hmm. bit because there are futures of massive games and showdowns to come, but the person who holds all the cards is Nick Saban."
1: I am not sure. I mean, I uh, you know, Lance Taylor who's on the next round in Birmingham, I do some stuff with with those guys uh, on disrupt yeah. the media, their stuff. He thinks that this is it for Saban. He's the only one I've heard say that. Uh, Saban just just became uh, – well, just won his 200th game, yeah. and he's the second winningest coach in Alabama history. You know who the first winningest coach is?
0: Some guy named Bear Bryant. I yeah, heard right, Bear young. Bryant.
1: So he's got yeah. to coach another two years to get to, you know, what is it, like 225 to pass Bear. I don't know that any of that stuff really matters to him. I think what would make him leave is if he doesn't feel like the players are responding to – his teaching. I I know that he's not a fan. Chris Lowe told me this and I believe Chris said that Nick Saban's not a fan of the middleman that you deal with as far as like players now and NIL, you know, Hey, there's my uncle or it's a family friend or guys, you know, acting like agents. Um, I don't think he from what Chris says, he doesn't like
0: real quick. The rumor is that's why Jay Wright left Villanova. Jay Wright has not come out and said, I can't deal with NIL or the middleman, but you have a national championship. One right. of the best coaches in college basketball. And Jay Wright just says, no, thank you. Why? Eh, it just was time. It's, I've heard that's the Jay Wright. And that yeah. makes perfect sense if that's the case for Nick. Yeah. Sanford.
1: And then, so that may be one of the things I, I I can't believe that this is what's going on right now. Yeah. I, I, I was always a proponent of, you know, guys being able to, to make some money. But I didn't want it to turn into the NFL. I didn't want it to turn into, you know, you're coming out of high school and you just all of a sudden just get a bunch of money handed to you. I I love two
0: faces out of the tube now, brother. Right. now, now what do you in? do?
1: Right. I mean, um, well, Saban was talking about Will Reichert. Will Reichert just passed uh, Daniel Carlson. Um, and I was really happy about this. You know, Daniel Carlson, the, the all time great. Auburn kicker passed by an Alabama kicker, which we're not known for having great kickers, but this guy sure. is the best we've ever had. And I mean, he's just so accurate and, um, and everything else. And, 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 you know, he wouldn't have came back if it wasn't for NIL, he'd probably be in the NFL, you know, that's what right. NIL is supposed to be. You earn it, you know, like you become something and then you, you know, they, they want to sell your Jersey or your likeness or something, but, but, it, you know, Texas AM and was kind of the first school, that was uh, called out for, you know, turning it into the NFL, and then, but it's legal, so everybody does that. You know, it's like guys getting paid without playing and all that, and you're dealing with stuff that probably has always gone on, but now to like a an entirely different level, and that may be why what chases him off if that's what he decides to do. But there's still fire in the tank. You know, I I, w- I was laughing about. Um, him on the sideline against Mississippi state. I said that they picked up angry Saban on the way to the game in, a, in this little town called Gordo, which is like halfway between Tuscaloosa and Starkville. And it was good to see him back again, you know, like kind of just, you know how he is when, when you're effing everything up and he's on the sideline and he's about to throw it. That's what I love about him. You know, his he, he cares so much. He's so passionate when he retires, and I know for Tennessee fans, they're probably waiting for him to go. I would be too if I, you know, had to face that guy all the time and how successful he is. But at the same time, you, you take a step back and and you look and, you know, like Pat Summit. I was calling Alabama women's basketball when Pat Summit was at Tennessee. And there just comes a point where you're like, there's something special about having Pat on the sideline there, like just looking over and seeing like a legend, someone that's won all the games. And when you beat them, it means something. Um, You know, last year, if you guys would have beaten Alabama and they had lost three games, it wouldn't be the same as beating Alabama that was, like, undefeated and one of the best teams in the country, you know. So I I think that when you play athletics, that's always what what you want is you want that high bar to try to jump over. But So I don't know how long he's going to stay. I definitely feel like since NIL and the transfer portal – that it's there's been a, a big slip. To me, it started in the game against Georgia for the national championship that Alabama lost. And then but at the same time, it's it's I always describe him as um, as being like uh, the, you know, Clint Eastwood in the unforgiven. You remember that movie? He's like Absolutely. this old gunslinger Absolutely. and everybody's scared of him because of his name. And they're like trying to shoot him in are getting... He's that guy at this point, you know, he walks into the room and his reputation makes everyone nervous. Does he still have the same abilities that he had in the past? No, but he's still that same guy and he's still that dangerous. So uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. My You know, my bet is that Alabama is going to be very focused, just because of the way that things ended in the game uh, last Saturday. But I'm I'm seven. I went three and one last week betting, and now I'm seven and fourteen. Some of those losses have been taking Tennessee. Some of them have been taking Alabama. So I I don't have my finger on either one of these teams. I'm trying to stay away from them if I can.
0: Can I give you my best bet for this game? (laughs) Under. Tennessee team total over 19 and a half. I believe the final score of this game will be somewhere in the neighborhood, as I already mentioned, 27, 21. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're, I think if you're late to the party, you will get to this when it's like 20 and a half, maybe somebody will jump it up to 21 and a half and you'll be on that car. I think Tennessee's good in this game for at least two touchdowns and maybe two field goals. So for me personally, 19 and a half, it's away from one of those prime numbers that they always the threes and the sevens that they use often. I think 19 and a half. I think I don't even want to mess with the cover. I don't even want to mess with the total because I think those are perfect right now. Bama could win by 10. This could get to 49 and we take the under, but I think Tennessee good for at least 20 points is where people need to be.
1: Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I feel like the under would be my bet just because, if I'm managing either one of these teams, I'm not going to try to take too many chances because right. defenses are so good. You're going to see uh, both teams try to establish the run. You know, I, I'll if you make a mistake, Jalen Milrow can beat you deep. But maybe Tennessee's defense is good enough not to make those mistakes. I mean, against Arkansas, they just had like a couple busts that turned into touchdowns that changed that game. Right. But- Alabama going down the field and marching down the field consistently—it's just not going to happen.
0: Mick, I appreciate your time, dude. And 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 I say this often, and I said it whenever we were doing the daily tailgate with you guys over at Bama earlier this week. I don't blow smoke up your skirt, dude. You're you're one of the guys who I respect. People who have just worked their ass off in this industry because I feel like I gravitate to those type of people. And then when you meet those people and you realize not only are they just great at their job but they're like even a better person. They're a better father. They're a better husband. They're a better brother, better son, daughter, all that, whatever under the umbrella. You're one of those dudes. And again, if you were covering Florida, I'd say you're a toilet, but you cover (laughs) Alabama. So I'd say you're one. It's a respect level that can never be matched. And I just want to say you're a good dude. You're a good brother. And, Best of luck to the Tide as they uh, welcome in the volunteers with that uh, with that uh, crimson carpet being rolled out on Saturday afternoon.
1: Well, we, it's a couple things. First off, we have to have our uh, we have to have a toast to our friend John Adams that we lost, but uh, we used to get together at Smokies in Knoxville uh, with John yeah. and drink all of his very expensive. Uh, uh, alcohol, scotch. He would bring out the best stuff for us. For it some really reason.
0: would. What, what, I can't, can't drink this. Oh, it's just $200 a port. What are you talking about? <laughs> John, <I laughs> can't drink that. Yeah, he'd be like, this yeah. is. This is thirty five years old, Scott. Do you, do you know who uh, do you know who King George the twelfth was? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, uh in my history book, well, he once had this with his finest ladies at dinner in thirteen twenty. It's like, what? Are you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, shout out to him and and, I, and man, you know you're one of my guys, man. I, I love the that you're on the radio before we go on with baseball every night. So, I, yeah. I, you know, I got speaker in the booth and we play you guys. And uh, it's good to have you and Will back together again. It must be a dream come true, man.
0: Yeah, man, things are going well here in Knoxville. And it's good to have my uh, my ombre back. Uh, it's the help. Go ahead. Plug what you guys got going on every day. Cause I know you do fantastic things. Yeah. In Alabama and
1: look, I I've had a lot of, uh, Tennessee fans come on the YouTube channel and, and, and come on, man, come on, comment, check it out. It's uh Bama tailgate daily and the Bama tailgate YouTube channel. I try to be fair and you know, I, you know, I, I have a thing. Absolutely. For Tennessee, so I don't, I, I, the only thing I'll tell you that I do say is, um, I, I, Tennessee fans talked so much smack last year. I have mentioned that a few times, but you know, oh, yeah. with 15 years, I mean, what do you expect? Exactly. The, I love the Christmas ornaments and the, and all the pictures and the t-shirts. I I'm just glad that Alabama fans kind of get it again, you know, because I, I think that that had been lost, but come, come to the site and, and check out our work and um you know, and hang out. I started this myself. I was with on three and then they got rid of their Bama YouTube channel and, so I was like, "Hey, no, let's just try it," and it's been it's been really rewarding. So um, you know, it's so I, I, any of you guys are welcome anytime.